you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 131. Well, hi guys. Today I want to talk about why your kid's behavior isn't improving something referred to as lagging skills, and I'm going to define that for you, and uh, just sort of welcome you to September and the new school year, and I really am kind of putting themes on the months um, these days, and so this month, I really sort of want to delve into how we're doing things a little differently at Mastermind Parenting. Um, when it comes to helping strong-willed kids and really all of our kids. Um, I'm going to feature some different interviews this month um, of moms who have gone through Mastermind Parenting and um, even a pediatrician. Um, I actually have several physician moms in my groups, which is interesting because, you know, like I say to all my physician moms, I love them. They are such action takers. I'm like, y'all wouldn't have come to me first. You just came here because you were trying all the traditional things and they weren't working. And because you're such action takers, you were like, well, we'll try something different. Um, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. My, We really are doing things differently here. I do believe in lots of different Western approaches and professionals. And I've used many of them on my path and how I got here and how I helped my own family, my own strong-willed kid. Um, And I'm a rebel tendency and um, I'm a problem solver. And so I really kind of want to dig into how, you know, not really my story on how I got here, but just what we're doing now, because the point of all of it is we've got these kids that are showing up with some pretty tricky behaviors and it can be really hard to parent these kids. It's parenting's hard anyway. And, um, and when you're given one of these kids who are not sort of, you know, in the box kids, um, they really push us to, figure out a different way. And so I, that's, that's really what I've done. And um, what I like to say is, is I am not, I'm a connector and 
when I discover something, I want everyone else to know about it. Like I'm the person who, when I find a deal at Nordstrom Rack, I want to, I call, I'm like, okay, in my brain immediately, sometimes I have to remind myself to just be in the moment and lean into the joy because my brain always goes to who else would be interested in this amazing deal? I'm, I'm like, the chocolate cake tastes much better when I give you a fork and you a fork and you a fork. So, um, so yeah, so, so I'm delving into how to actually help these strong-willed kids, what's really going on with them, as well as what's, what happens in families where you have a strong-willed child, like how it affects the whole family dynamic. And one of the interviews that I'm going to be doing this month is with a mom and her teenage daughter um, who really uh, isn't her strong-willed kid. She was showing up with some strong-willed behaviors, but the truth is, is she's what I call the uh, our other kids, air quotes, other kids. And, um, and so how it affects the whole family dynamic when you're living with a child who quite often is acting like a dictator. And so, so it was interesting because this teen daughter that you'll hear from in a few weeks, um, she was showing some really defiant behaviors but when we dug in, it turns out that she was really, really like, like easygoing temperament, um, super easy kid growing up. And it wasn't until her younger sister was born, who is the strong-willed child in the family, where she started displaying some of these behaviors too. So, uh, so sometimes our strong-willed kids are our other kids. And that's why I like to say Mastermind Parenting really came about because of our strong-willed kids. However, uh, it's an approach for all kids. Okay. So today, today, that's what's coming up this month, but today we're going to discuss why your strong-willed kid acts so, you know, (laughs) strong-willed and uncooperative and, um, and why their behavior isn't improving and, and where you can kind of begin to start changing that dynamic. So to continue doing the things you've been doing, right, without any improvement is what I call living in the shoulds. Like they should be responding better to this. They should be making their bed. They should be putting on their shoes. They should be listening the first time I tell them. And living in the shoulds is not helpful, okay? It's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for your kids. It's like fighting with reality. Like, It is what it is. So now we've got this problem. How are we going to solve it? Living in the shoulds does not solve problems, okay? And and living in the shoulds also, if we're really honest, it causes you just to get angry, right? It's like an injustice. They should be doing all these things. So every time your kid shows up with a defiant behavior, it's really because you're living your life by the definition of insanity, okay? So they're, they're showing up with their defiant behavior. You're angry about it. You're living in the shoulds. They should be better. But we're not getting to the root of the defiance. So we're expecting them to do things differently, to all of a sudden miraculously become more cooperative. And yet we're not giving them new skills to help them. Okay. So that is what I call the definite. It's, I think it's living in the insanity because the definition of insanity is 
doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. You know, your anger shows that you're really frustrated that things aren't improving. So we got to learn new things to do. And that's why you're here. Okay. So I want to talk about someone who I have learned a lot from. I've learned a lot from a lot of different experts. And uh, one of the experts that I quote quite often is Dr. Ross Green. And he teaches parents basically how to have a productive conversation with your, with your kids to solve problems. He calls it something different. He's got like this whole, he, he wrote this book called, and the book is great. It's called the explosive child. Um, but he does this whole plan a plan B plan C. Um, and I have a different way that I explain it. Okay. I love him. I love what he's doing in the world. He's basically a champion for kids that are these strong-willed kids who are quite often misunderstood in our society. And if you ever have an opportunity to hear him speak, I really encourage you to look him up and go. He has a, he has a website, look up Dr. Ross Green with an E on the end, Green. And um, I think his website's called Lives in the Balance and he's got tons and tons of free resources so and lots of clips and ways you can hear him. Um, but when you hear him speak, you can really feel his passion uh, for for finally helping these kids. He knows these kids are really frustrated. Um, and so I'm going to break down some of his concepts in my lingo for you today. Um, he basically teaches you that you have to stop making their strong-willed or explosive behavior mean something that it just frankly doesn't. And one of his quotes that, that many people often repeat, as well as myself, I repeat it quite often, is kids do well if they can. So if a kid isn't doing well, right, if they're not doing well, which that's the case when we have these strong-willed, defiant, explosive, chronic meltdown type behaviors going on, um, we got to get curious to get to the root of why. Why aren't they doing well. And living in the shoulds is just the definition of insanity. It will not change your reality because there's always a reason they're not doing well. So he defines the root cause for the behavior as an unmet need or a lagging skill. Okay. And on his website, he has a list of lagging skills and some examples of unsolved problems. He's got this assessment on his website. It's called the ALSUP, A-L-S-U-P, A-L-S-U-P. Okay. So he says, um, uh, a lagging skill. Here's some of the lagging skills that he lists on his ALSUP assessment. Difficulty handling transitions and shifting from one mindset or task to another. Now, most kids have a hard time transitioning from one thing to the next because they're like little Zen masters. Kids live in the present moment. So all little kids, you know, it's like they're watching their favorite Peppa Pig cartoon and it's time to get their shoes on to go to preschool. And, uh, you know, and, and, and you're like, okay, time to turn Peppa Pig off. And next thing you know, you've got a meltdown. Like that's not uncommon. And we teach some really simple strategies that turns that around quickly. 
if you have a strong-willed kid, it, it it's not just one of those typical situations where they're having a hard time transitioning. Like they literally like can't get out of bed in the morning or just can't, it's like the most simple tasks. They just can't stop what they're doing. Um, everything seems like it's a, it's a big struggle and everything seems like it's, it's like anytime you've got to transition from one thing to the next. I mean, a lot of times by the time they get a little older and they found screens, if it's video games or even if they're little and they've got the iPad, it like goes beyond that typical difficulty transitioning. They just, it's like they, they can't, I mean, I've had stories of like kids who were, I don't know, 11 years old, you know, by that time, 11 years old and boys who were starting to develop and get strong. And it's like, they, they just, they wouldn't get off the video game to the point that when the parents turned it off, the kid, like, you know, through the, through the video game, broke it, unplugged it, freaked out. Like they really get explosive. So they have a hard time shifting from one mindset or task to another. If you've got a kid that goes above and beyond typical difficulty transitioning, you know, you know, I'm talking to you. Okay. Another lagging skill, difficulty doing things in a logical sequence or prescribed order. You know, first we brush our teeth, then we do this or for homework, you know, first we get our supplies, then we put, get everything set up. Then we take out our, our, our things and we um, figure out how much homework we have for the day. And it's like, they're so overwhelmed. They just, they don't even want to start their homework because they just have a, a real difficulty that goes above and beyond logical sequencing or prescribed order. Um, difficulty persisting on challenging or tedious tasks. Um, so when they start to get frustrated, they either quit, they blame, they get real angry. Um, they can't stick with, you know, anything that, that is challenging. They, they just go to a place of overwhelm and usually it, there's explosiveness. Poor sense of time. That's a lagging skill. Difficulty maintaining focus. Difficulty considering the likely outcomes or consequences of actions. Like they're super impulsive. Never think through things. They might be, you know, quick to hit no matter how many times you've gone over that, you know, there's absolutely no violence allowed in your household, yada, yada, yada. Every time they get frustrated, they hit. And then, you know, you have, if you know, if you have one of these kids, cause later on, a lot of times they'll, they'll beat themselves up about it, or they'll say, you know, everyone hates me. I'm so bad. And, um, and so they're just super impulsive. There's a lot of impulsivity, difficulty considering a range of solutions to a problem. You know, like they just, they can be super black and white in their thinking. They're not in any way able to problem solve difficulty, expressing concerns, needs, or thoughts in words. Like, you can't get them to use their words no matter what. They just go to that explosive place and nothing, no matter how many talks you have after the fact, they, um, they can't even express themselves. They're just like shut down in their anger. Difficulty understanding what's being said. So you're talking to them and they're just like not getting it. Difficulty managing emotional response to frustration so as to think rationally chronic irritability and or anxiety significantly impedes capacity for problem solving or heightens frustration. So 
I remember thinking this with like, that was kind of the main sign of my son when he was little. He'd hold it together all day at school and then he'd come home and he'd just be like pissed. It was like any little thing. He was just in a bad mood. And, you know, my, I didn't know it at the time because I wasn't on this whole path of self-awareness and I was young and I just, I, I, I wasn't there yet. You know, it was just part of my own journey, but, you know, secretly I didn't have the happiest of childhoods. And so secretly I was going to be like the greatest mom and my kids were going to be so happy and like have these joyful childhoods. And so, you know, I'd pick them up from school and I would like, you know, I wanted to walk up. I wanted him to see me. I didn't want him to have to wait for me. Um, like that was a big thing for me was that, cause I remember, uh, having to wait a lot for my parents to pick me up. And I always, I remember one time when I was in like third or fourth grade and I was in a carpool and this one kid, he was such a bully. And, um, he, I remember him, we were like the last kids in the carpool line. My poor mom, she was working, she was trying to do it all. She had three kids. Um, and we were waiting for my mom and my mom was late and we were the last people on the carpool line. I remember this kid looking at me and he was like, why is your mom never here on time? We're always the last ones. And I remember feeling so much shame about that. So like, I was like, I'll wait. And I didn't, hadn't connected the dots yet, but like, even when my son was like in kindergarten or first grade, like I remember I didn't want to do the carpool line. Like I wanted to walk up and I wanted to get there before the bell rang because I wanted when he came out for me to be right there, you know, waiting for him and happy to receive him. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I mean, most of the time probably, cause I knew he was so irritable. I'd even have like a little snack with me and maybe we'd go to the park or we'd do whatever. And nothing I would do. He was just always pissed. He was just in a bad mood. And every time that scowl on his face was there, I was just, it was like, I took it so personally. It felt like, it felt like I was failing at this thing I promised I was going to do so well. Um, again, none of this was conscious for me, but I just remember it being super triggering. Like I'd see the bad mood and I'd try and happy him up. And the more I have tried to happy him up, the more like, I think I kind of came across with that graspy energy, like I wanted it too badly. And then it would just sort of put him in more of a meltdown. Um, Cause the truth of the matter is, is that he was just like exhausted from school and had been overstimulated and he needed to recharge. So nothing I was going to do. So the, that, that extra graspy energy, it was almost like I put more pressure on him. So that constant irritability, that was one for me. Um, difficulty seeing the grays. This was also for my son, concrete, literal black and white thinking. Yeah. Very hard time seeing the grays difficulty deviating from rules or routine. So like you have a rule or routine, but sometimes there needs to be some flexibility. Maybe, you know, you were going, you, you normally go out to dinner on Wednesday nights, but the favorite restaurant is closed, you know, for renovations. And you're like, Oh, we're going to go to a different restaurant. And next thing you know, your kid has a meltdown because that's not the way it's supposed to be. We go to this restaurant, you know, they can be so stuck in their routine and the rules. Difficulty handling unpredictability, ambiguity, uncertainty, and novelty. Okay. All humans like, like, uncertainty is our kryptonite. That's right. Why, if you're listening to this in real time during COVID, right, everybody's, you know, everybody's in this state of sort of fear and uncertainty because we, we hate that. Um, all humans do, but kids that have lagging skills, like especially it just like puts them, it, it just makes them all out of sorts. 
Difficulty shifting from original ideas, plans, or solution, again, like they lack flexibility. Difficulty taking into account situational factors that would suggest the need to adjust a plan of action. Um, inflexible, um, everyone's out to get me, nobody likes me. Um, it says inflexible, inaccurate interpretations and cog cognitive distortions. Everyone's out to get me, nobody likes me. You always blame me. It's not fair. I'm so stupid. A lot of negative self-talk. Difficulty attending to or accurately interpreting social cues, poor perception of social nuances. A lot of times they're space invaders. Difficulty starting conversations, entering groups, connecting with people, lacking other basic social skills. So a lot of times like kids who just like you're at the park and you see some kids who are just naturally always, they just next thing you know, they've got a friend, you know, and then um, like, like you have a kid who, it just, it's so, they, it's almost, they're always asking you or their other parent to constantly play with them. And you're like, go play with another kid. And they just, there's something, they're, they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to. They have a hard time sort of naturally ingratiating themselves into other kids' play. Um, difficulty seeking attention in appropriate ways. So they're constantly acting out for negative attention. Difficulty appreciating how his or her behavior is affecting other people. A hard time with perspective taking. Difficulty empathizing with others, appreciating another's perspective or point of view. Difficulty appreciating how she or he is coming across or being perceived by others. Maybe having sensory motor difficulties. Okay. So those are the lagging skills. If your kid has any of those um, displays any of those types of behavior, it's because they have lagging skills. It's literally because they, they would, they would do it differently if they could, but there are certain skills that are just lacking in, in them. And, and so they need really the grownups in their life to help them with that. And then on the same assessment, he says, unsolved problems. Unsolved problems are, are the specific expectations a child's having difficulty meeting. So because of these lagging skills, they can't meet our expectations. So when we're living in the shoulds, you should be able to follow, you know, your morning tasks. You get up, you make your bed, you go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you come from, you know, and every day, it's time to leave and it's just been, you know, a struggle, every little thing. And then you're like, did you brush your teeth? And they didn't brush their teeth. Um, and they're refusing to brush their teeth. Okay. So there's a, and they're, they, and they, they're not expressing why they refuse to brush their teeth. They're just refusing to brush their teeth. There's a lagging skill there. There's more to the situation. So he explains un. Um, unsolved problems, like at home, how they display. Here's, here's some examples. He says, difficulty getting out of bed in the morning and time to get to school on time. Difficulty getting started on or completing homework. Difficulty ending the video game to get ready for bed at night. Difficulty coming indoors for dinner when playing outside. Difficulty agreeing with brother about what television show to watch after school. Difficulty handling the feelings of seams in socks. This is a big one. <laughs> so sensory. Diffi I remember with my son when he was three and it was before there was any real sensory integration stuff on the scene because he's 22. But I remember like he was, it, he would itch the back of his neck all the time. We, and he we went through this period where we would literally just cut all the tags out of his shirts 
um, because there was something about those tags that was just, it was like he would fixate on it. And it was, and I was kind of like, it's not a big deal, whatever, we'll cut the tags out. Um, but a lot of times I've heard about this with seams and socks. They, they literally make special sensory socks. Um, difficulty brushing teeth before bedtime, difficulty staying out of older sister's bedroom, difficulty keeping bedroom clean, difficulty clearing the table after dinner. Now, a lot of this stuff sounds typical, but you know if you have a kid that goes beyond the typical. And some of the difficulties at school, difficulty moving from choice time to math, difficulty sitting next to Kyle during circle time, difficulty raising hand during social studies discussions, difficulty getting started on a project on tectonic plates and geography, difficulty standing in line for lunch, difficulty getting along with Eduardo on the school bus, difficulty when losing it, when losing in basketball at resource or recess, um, like like, you know, you know, if you have a kid that has a difficulty losing when y'all play a board game at home, right? So if you have a kid that's presenting with any of these things, we have to shift from the shoulds and doing things as we've been doing things. And we got to get curious, right? That's how we start to um, help figure out how to solve these problems rather than accidentally making the problem worse. Okay. The lagging skill is not developed or solved. It's not solved. You know, you didn't do anything to cause this lagging skill. It's not because you, you know, you did anything wrong. You didn't make them you know, do X, Y, and Z. You know, if your kids have these lagging skills, especially at a young age, um, there's more to the story. And they're not solved through tough love approaches involving, you know, when you live in the shoulds and it turns into anger, I promise you there's probably some shame, threats, um, bribing perhaps, punishment, berating, like in those those are the, that those tough love approaches will not solve the um, problems due to lagging skills. Dr. Green says that if you sat in one of his talks, okay, so if you listened to one of his talks and then he ran into you in a coffee shop, let's say, and you went up to him and you thanked him and you saw his talk and it was so insightful and you learned so much, he says, he would immediately ask you, okay, so you learned so much. So tell me, what's your child's lagging skills and unsolved problems? That's what he would ask you. And he says it's the rare parent that would take the time to be able to really answer him because they hadn't assessed or identified what those lagging skills and unsolved problems were. He would say, the parent will say, oh, you know, I don't know. I haven't gotten, he's like, well, I'll tell you what. You, the talk is going to, it's not going to benefit your life unless you go and print out this assessment and truly figure out and identify what are your child's lagging skills. Like put this learning into action. You've got to assess and identify what the lagging skills are. Okay. Because what we typically do is we sit, we listen, we passively consume new information, but then we fall short, 
Okay. We fall short. We have to take the time to really assess and identify what our kids are consistently having trouble with because only then can we actually help them develop, develop new skills. So those skills aren't lagging anymore because when they develop new skills, then they can solve the problems and they can meet the expectations. So this is basically what I'm up to in the work that I do with families, right? And we use lots of traditional and non-traditional approaches. Um, I'm a huge fan of occupational therapy. We have a resident occupational therapist on the Mastermind Parenting team. Um, She really helps us to understand what's going on with these kids. She's a, a wealth of information. I call her the kid whisperer. She literally like translates to us why a kid is doing a certain behavior and, um, and how to understand it. Because I teach all of these amazing tools and communication strategies, but to be able to utilize those tools and communication strategies, you have to have, you have to be in the right, right headspace to be able to do it. That's what I call mind mastery. Like you cannot make their behavior mean something that it doesn't. So identifying what the lagging skills are, when we're moving into problem solving, it's super important for us to like not to, to really get it so that we can communicate and use the tools and strategies and we don't make it mean something that it doesn't. So, you know, on this podcast, like the little intro, it's like, if whenever it's, it says like, we want to be a family that can talk about anything and everything. Like that's really kind of the crux of what I do productive conversations. We are all about problem solving, whatever life throws our ways, big problems, small problems, seams in socks or um, explosive defiant behavior and teenager failing out of school or having, you know, having some pretty, you know, risky, serious things going on in their lives. Like whatever it is, we have to be a family that can, you know, talk about things because how do we know how to solve problems if we're not discussing it? And so, you know, I really stand for being a family that can talk about anything and everything, right? I mean, you know, these are hard conversations. And I think, you know, many of us, more than we realize, like we're conflict avoidant, and the reason why we're conflict avoidant is because we're la- we have lagging skills in effective communication, in being people that can lean into a difficult conversation without bringing anger, um, and being a true grown-up with full executive functioning in our brain to be able to problem solve. Like to be able to problem solve, you really have to bring that executive, you know, those executive skills online, and so. Um, you know, this is really what we're up to. I'm like, what if we just had a whole society of calm people that solve problems? Like, I'm not going to bring politics into it because my husband says these days I'm a little obsessed. And um, even though I'm not politically informed um, by any anybody's definition, but I'm just obsessed with um, who we have as a leader right now. And um, because I'm like, where's the grownups? Like, We've got to be the calm grownups that solve problems without shaming and blaming and nastiness. Like that's how we're going to make our world a better place. And these strong-willed kids 
they are put into our life. You know, this is where it gets a little bit spiritual for me, where I'm like, they were given to us for a reason. They are calling us to more. And there's a reason why you feel like the days are endless with these kids because they're literally, if they knew how, if they didn't have the lagging skills, they would be shaking you saying, please learn new methods. Please help me develop better skills because only when you help me develop better skills, then you'll learn, you'll develop better skills. And this is how we make the world a better place. So if you worry, you know, about, if you worry about, I mean, I think most parents, we worry about our kids, like, you know, worry about, I mean, I know I do like we worry about the future. What's going to, I mean, a lot of times Brene Brown calls it, um, when she, she says that vulner, that one of the most vulnerable emotions, if not the most vulnerable emotion, she may say it's the most vulnerable emotion is joy because we do something called what's, how does she phrase it? She says it's called foreboding joy. So it's like when something really good happens and then you're like, your brain goes to, oh my God, like, I love this child so much. You know, maybe you have a kid that's, that's going away to college or, and they're just, you know, such an amazing kid. And you're like, oh my God, I love my kid so much. And then you start to think about their future and you start to worry and you're like, oh my God, if anything ever happens to them, I think I'll die. Like what's going to happen. They're going to be there. They're going to be at college all by themselves. And, um, what if somebody hurts them? What if, you know, and so I think that it's normal for many of us, especially maybe more so for the Jewish mothers, myself, (laughs) I'm speaking for myself. Like I can do that foreboding joy and worry so much. And then I have to remind myself and bring myself back to just lean into the now. The only thing I have control over is this present moment and take a deep breath and lean into the now and celebrate and just experience the joy. It's very hard. It's very hard because we worry about their future and we, we want to keep them safe, you know? And so if you have a strong willed kid, you know, I think we worry about the future even more because it's like, is my kid going to be okay? You know, my kids showing up with some, even the kids, I mean, sometimes these kids go to school and they show the whole world that, you know, what it's like with them behind closed doors. But for many of these kids, I mean, I know it was the case for mine. And even to this day, like, I mean, this is probably normal where a lot of times we show our worst selves to the people we love the most. But, you know, a lot of times these strong-willed kids, they're fine out in the world, but it's, they save it for when they come home to us. And so when we see this sort of, you know, less than awesome behavior behind closed doors, we're like, what's it going to be like for them? How is anyone going to ever, I mean, I used to go to this place, like, are they going to be like, is somebody going to be able to live with them? Are they going to be able to get married? Like what happens when it gets beyond first impressions? So, um, so if you really do worry like that, you have a hunch there's some, you know, there's something more to the equation and the traditional approaches haven't necessarily been working, you know, then I really want you to stick with us this month because I think that you're going to hear some stories and some real life accounts of what we're up to here. Um, 
you know, what we're up to here. Because I mean, all I can say is that I was once in your shoes and sometimes I still am. Sometimes I still am. And, you know, for me, it just feels wrong not to share what I've learned and what I continue to learn because I am far from, I'm far, I'm far, I'm far from cooked. I'm far from developing my lagging skills. Um, and, you know, I think that's just part of being a human. You know, I think we're supposed to constantly be growing and learning. And, um, and you know, my, my goal is just, it's, you know, I'm passionate in just like Dr. Green is passionate in, I want to help every human who feels misunderstood to feel celebrated and to learn how to celebrate themselves and to know that they have a family that is their soft place to land, that they can rely on, that will support them, that will lean into, you know, learning new skills themselves so that we can help them to develop the skills and we'll stop at nothing. Cause I think that we all deserve to have a family that gets along and to live a thriving life. I think every human deserves that. So I love you for being here with me and for being the kind of parent that has really joined in, in this life changing and I think world changing conversation. And, um, I think we're up to big things and I'm just so glad that you're here with me. So until next week, have a good one. Kiss your babies for me and love you to pieces. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast listeners. I wanted to tell you about something really special I'm doing on September 19th from 2 to 5 p.m. Central Time. And it's going to be a live Mastermind Parenting Masterclass to have a successful school year. So I'm going to be teaching brand new content. If you love coming to my free stuff, this is a virtual half day retreat. My whole team's going to be there, including Amanda, who is a mastermind parenting coach and a licensed occupational therapist. I call her the kid whisperer. She's going to be there and I'm going to be teaching my 5A formula to help you help your strong-willed child and their siblings have an A-plus school year. So I hope you're going to join us and it's going to be a great time. We're going to give it everything we've got. And to sign up, go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash masterclass, all one word, mastermindparenting.com forward slash masterclass. Can't wait to see you there.